Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. 23 and me, any, anybody out there do that? We've, oh, we've got a couple, got a couple back here. Yeah, how about Ancestor over there, Ancestry.com. There's another, did you find out who your kin were? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a niece uh, who is really into into genealogy and she's she's done all of this stuff. And my grandfather. What the re- I was told that uh, uh, when he was when he was in France during World War One, his mother died and nobody told him. And uh, he didn't discover it until he got back home uh, in uh, northern Arkansas uh, and he was so angry with the family that as soon as he could, uh, he packed up the family and, and he, headed, uh, he headed west. He left behind uh, four brothers and two sisters and just cut himself off. Uh, he wouldn't talk about his family. I would ask him uh, about, about his grandfather. And he told me that his grandfather was a horse thief. Uh, that got uh, that got run out of Kentucky. That's why they were living in Arkansas. Big family disgrace. Don't want to talk about it. Okay. And then one day I get a uh, I get an email from a cousin, a second cousin, who is uh, the grandson of one of my grandfather's brothers. And he's also big into genealogy, and he got my information from my niece. And he dumped poof, this, this mountain of, of, of genealogical information on me. Uh, I found out that uh, uh, our family originally is from the Isle of Skye uh, in Scotland, where, where we were bards for the uh, MacDonald clan on the Slate Peninsula, fought with Robert the Bruce, uh, were given lands in Ayrshire for their uh, faithfulness and, and, uh, and their commitment. Uh, later on, given the invitation to go uh, to Northern Ireland to fight the Irish, they did that. Uh, that's where the whole name Scots-Irish comes in, Ulster Scots. So they did that for a while. They th- saw that was a lost cause. Uh, and then they heard about a fight in the New World against the French and the Indians. Sorry, Christoph. Uh, and they, uh, so they came to America uh, in the mid-1700s to fight the French and the Indians. And, uh, and when those battles were, were finished... The crown said, thank you for your service. Have a nice life in the new world. They did not want combat seasoned Scots back in the UK. (laughs) Go figure. Wow, all that's from from my family. That's amazing. And oh, by the way, my grandfather's uh, grandfather wasn't a horse thief. He was a Methodist circuit rider. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. All that's all that is 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 fascinating, um, and and we can celebrate that. But you know, genetics tell a different story. Genetics uh, tell a different story than than ancestry. If we have two children, uh, most of you know them, uh, uh, Andrew and, and Heidi, and uh, Heidi's uh, coloring. She she takes after my side of the family. Uh, Andrew, his, his coloring. Uh, takes after his mother's mother's side of the family. 
So uh, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a little stocky. Uh, he has thick black hair. Uh, I didn't start shaving until I was 23. Uh, he, uh, he, when he was a sophomore in high school, he had a five o'clock shadow at 11 o'clock. And for years and years, he used to wonder whether or not he was adopted. Uh, uh, a, a notion that my uh, younger child fostered at every moment. <clears throat> and then we went back to Minnesota for my uh, father-in-law's 90th birthday, and he met that other side of the family, and, and they all looked like him. And he said, my people, <laughs> I, I really do belong. Uh, so... Genetics are a funny thing. And people spend uh, hours of time and, and, and resources on finding those, those lines to help them to understand from where they have come that they might have a greater understanding of who they are. But genetics is only part of the answer to those questions. DNA is only a part of the answer to those questions. Physical DNA, physical ancestry is one thing. But I would submit to you this morning that there is such a thing as spiritual DNA. And there is a spiritual family that is worth investigating every bit as much as our physical ancestry. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the eighth chapter of John. We'll finish with the eighth chapter today. Uh, John, in these chapters uh, seven and eight, really wants us to know who Jesus is. Fully God, fully human, came to show us the face of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus comes to show us who God is. How we can live our lives in relationship with God. And also how we live our lives in relationship with one another. This Jesus who dies on the cross to forgive us for our sins, to reconcile us with God, was raised from the grave with the same power that dwells in us now in and through the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended into the heavens where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, sovereign over all creation. The day will come when he returns. Some think that day might be today. And I would be glad for it because my lower back is killing me. The day will come. We don't know when, but the day will come. John wants us to understand and know who this Jesus is. In the midst of the Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus is proclaiming himself when they do the water ceremony, he says, if you're thirsty, come to me. In the midst of the lighting ceremony, he says, I am the light of the world. 
and the people are being divided. They've never heard a teaching like this before. And yet the leadership of the institution has told anybody that if you dare capitulate to his teachings, we will kick you out of the synagogues. You will have no access to the temple. Oh, my. But we read last verse of last week's passage. Even as Jesus spoke, many people put their faith in him. That's verse 30 in chapter 8. And we continue the narrative. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus answered. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be free? We shall be set free. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a, sin has, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son and a daughter belong to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants. Yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth I heard from God. Abraham did no such thing. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and now I am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. And the Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? <laughs> I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. 
At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. And yet you say, if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. And yet you do not know him. I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. As we, as we look at that scene, as we think about this, this exchange, it's important for us to differentiate the people who are there. Unfortunately, passages like this, taken out of context, not properly understood, have led to anti-Semitism down through the ages. When, when, when John writes of the conversation, we, we, we need to hear it in the full conversation. He is, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And there's a great gathering of people who are there. And as we started, before I read this, the last verse of last week's passage, even as Jesus spoke, many people were putting their faith in him. So we're seeing the divide. And the people, there's a, there's a, 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 a cognitive dissonance going on inside of them because they're hearing the religious leaders say one thing, they're hearing Jesus say another thing, and it's so compelling, and yet the authorities in their lives are saying, no, 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 no. But Jesus takes a moment aside from his conversation with the Pharisees. And that's what we see going on in verse 31. To the, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Wonderful words for us. The key is discipleship. If you are my disciples. I remember years ago, this was years ago, early on in my ministry here, I asked all the Christians in the congregation to raise their hands. Almost every hand went up. Okay, put your hands down. I says, now, if, if you're a disciple, raise your hand. And only a handful of people raised their hands. And I thought, this, not, this, this shouldn't be. Dallas Willard argues in The Great Omission that the church, instead of following the Great Commission to go and make disciples, omitted that part, and they went forward and they made Christians. 
And what's the difference between a Christian and a disciple? Well, popularly speaking, we could say that a Christian is somebody that's got a ticket punched for heaven. I know my sins are forgiven, and when I kick out the bucket and, and go up to heaven, I get to show my card. Jesus died for me. I'm, I'm forgiven. Uh, that's all it is. And I just got to suck it up down here because life is hard. The world is broken. And I just can't wait for this to be over. Oh, there's so much we're missing. If that's our attitude, there's so much that we're missing because Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And it is my word that'll set you free if you are my, if you are my disciples. And you hold to my teachings. Okay, pastor, what are the teachings of Jesus? Well, we can start with the big 10. The 10 commandments. Well, those are the teachings of Jesus. Where do you think they came from? The Israelites came out of Egypt, and I love that. I love the Old, pass the Old Testament passage. Thank you, Jan. 80 years old, Moses said, send somebody else. God says, there's nobody else. There's you. And he goes. And then he leads them to the foot of the mountain, and God basically says, you're free to go. But if you want to hang with me, I'll covenant with you. You'll be my people. I'll be your God, and I will make of you a nation of priests. And they say, we're in. He says, great, Mo Moses, take a memo, and we get the Ten Commandments. So we can start there. Oh, but isn't Jesus about love and forgiveness? Oh, yeah, but Jesus said, I came not to eliminate the law, but to fulfill it. So we go from the Ten Commandments to the Sermon on the Mount. Spend some time in there, chapters 5, 6, and 7, the book of Matthew. Or you could jump over to Luke. And read the sixth chapter of Luke. Brace yourself. That's a challenging chapter to read. Especially the part where it says, I tell you who hear me to love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Who wants to sign up for that? That's the teachings of Jesus. That's what he's telling us to do. He's telling us to go out there and be countercultural. And then I love at the end of this, this used to just, this just used to, to blow me away. Uh, verse 35 of the sixth chapter of Luke. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back, and then your reward will be great, for you will be the sons and daughters of the Most High. Because he is kind, he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Wow. God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked? And yeah, yeah. And then one morning, Jan Smith said, yeah, that's us. I went, oh, absolutely, that's us. And God is kind to us. He's asking us to be kind to others. These are the teachings of Jesus that the disciples wrestle with. I'm not saying that it's easy. G.K. Chesterton said, Christianity has not been tried and found lacking. It's been, it's been found difficult and left untried. Jesus said, it's not going to be easy. They hate me, they're going to hate you. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Oh, it's going to be worth it. 
Hold to my teachings. You are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he's 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 speaking to a small group of people. And then the, the Pharisees, who really have the ear of the crowd at this moment, they step up and they say, they say, we are descendants of Abraham, Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we'll be, we will be set free? Now, what are they talking about? Do they not know their history? Abraham's descendants were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Oh, but you see, they're listening to their father, who is the father of lies. There's an unwillingness to accept the truth. Now, they, could, they might be speaking just of their own lives, I, I, you know, in my lifetime. That was in our history, not a slave any longer. Really? Do you, have, have, you, have you talked to a Roman soldier lately? You really think that we're not slaves? You think that we are free and autonomous in this day and age? But Jesus goes beyond that. Because, you see, they're still wrapped up in this idea of physicality and the, and the, the celebration of, of, the, of the Feast of Tabernacles was celebrating God's faithfulness in a physical situation. They were delivered from physical slavery. When they were in a physical wilderness, God provided for them water. He provided for them food. Their clothing never wore out. A pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day to lead them. God was with them. God was faithful. They are celebrating a physical event in their history as physical descendants of Abraham. Jesus moves it into a spiritual realm. Because physical freedom will never lead to the results desired when we are prisoners to the sin in our own lives. There has to be a, a point in, in time where we deal with the internal or the external means nothing. And that's why Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. No slave has a permanent place in the family. But the child, the son, the daughter belongs forever. And I love this. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants. We are Abraham's descendants. We have Abraham as our father. I can look at 23andMe. I can look at uh, uh, Ancestry.com. We have the genealogy. I can trace it back to Abraham, which is fascinating. Do you know who the first Scott was? I don't either. <laughs> God started something new with Abraham. It was through Abraham that God began the process of redemption for the universe. For God so loved the universe that he gave his only begotten son. Come on in. God loved the universe. So Abraham was the first person. And God, through Abraham created a nation and told Abraham that in and through this nation, all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed, all of them. And you know what Abraham saw in his lifetime? He saw the birth of one son. 
But he believed, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are willing to kill me. They had the physical DNA, but they lacked the spiritual DNA. Their father was not the God of heaven, not the God that they claimed. Abraham is our father. Yes, if you were children of Abraham, then you would do the things that Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did no such thing. You're doing the things your own father does. Hear the response. We are not illegitimate children. You remember a couple of weeks ago I told you that Jesus lived with that stigma for the entire earthly ministry. To this day, to this day, the Jewish people trace their ancestry through the mother. You know why? Because there's never a doubt who your mother is. There's never a doubt. They don't know who Jesus' father is. Oh, yes, my 15-year-old daughter comes home one day and says, Dad, I'm pregnant. Who is he? I'll rip him apart. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Do we have a doctor in the house? A psychiatrist? Really? As far as we knew, the only three people that understood what was going on were Mary, Joseph, and Elizabeth. I can't imagine what Jesus went through as a boy growing up, people teasing him. Who's your, who's your father? You don't know, do you? By the time he was 12, he did. Well, how did you not know I would be in my father's house? Aren't you right? Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Oh, yes, let's just sling mud now. Character assassination. There was nothing lower than a Samaritan in the day. So I can't deal with the substance of somebody's arguments, so I'm going to sling mud and throw ad hominem arguments at them. Oh, yeah, you have big ears and you wear glasses and you're bald. Well, that may be... That, that, that may, be, that may be true. It might be hurtful, but it's still true. But does that mean that what I have to say shouldn't be taken seriously? Ad hominem arguments. Abraham died and so did the prophets, yet you keep saying that if anyone keeps your word, they will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? I love it earlier. He says <laughs> in verse 43, why is my language not clear to you? Why is my language not clear to you? I glorify myself, it means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, he is the one who glorifies me, though you do not know him. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw and was glad. Abraham thought about the day. I said before, chapters 1 through 11 in the book of Genesis is backstory. When we get to chapter 12, we see God's plan of salvation. 
begin to unfold. And he told Abraham. I can't imagine uh, how many times Abraham must have thought about how is this going to happen? How, how is God going to redeem this broken world in which we live? To be absent from the body is to be present in time. Abraham exists in eternity. Our friend Gary Toth, we prayed for this morning, who passed away on Thursday, is in eternity. Our loved ones who have died are in eternity. Death is only a problem for those of us who are still here on this earth because death is a doorway, not a destination. And when Abraham transcended the temporal for the eternal, he knew in full, just as he had always been known, 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, that's the love chapter, right? Read the rest of it. Great stuff. The day will come. Now we see through a glass dimly, but the day will come when we will fully know just as we have been fully known. As soon as Abraham transcends, he fully knows. All the pieces are put together. How is God going to do it? Jesus is the hinge point in history. Before that, people looked forward. How are you going to do it, God? And since the resurrection and the ascension into heaven, it's, wow, that's how you did it, God. That's how you did it. You're not 50 years old, you see, and you have seen Abraham. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. You remember what Jan read earlier today? Moses, Lord, I'm going to go to Egypt, and they're going to ask me, who sent me? Well, how should I, what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, you tell them, I am who I am, that I am sent you. And Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. We have seven other statements in John's gospel. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. Speaking of which, teachings of Jesus jump ahead to chapters 15, 16, 17 of John. You get more teachings of Jesus because those who hear and believe in him, if we hold his teachings, then we are his disciples and his disciples will set us and his truth will set us free. They're wrapped up here in physicality. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We've got the genealogy. We are the recipients. We've been given the promise. We are the, the stewards of the kingdom. No, you're not. Well, yes, you were the stewards. You're just poor stewards. Poor stewards. Because there is a spiritual kingdom that transcends the physicality. And that's where we come in today, folks. I, I know it's 10 o'clock. Give me a couple of more minutes. Don't. <laughs> that's where we come in. What is our DNA? What is our ancestry? What is our history? We may know the physical answers to that, but the question is, do we understand our spiritual DNA? Because it is the teachings of Jesus that set us free. That is the teachings of Jesus and the, and the 
and, and the sacrifice of Jesus that uh, enables us to call ourselves sons and daughters of the Most High. It is the physical DNA that makes us look like we look on the outside. It is the spiritual DNA that transforms us from the inside out. When you do a spiritual DNA test, what comes up? That's going to be the answer to who your father is. The problem is that we war within ourselves. And I lie to myself because I can justify anything. And I know that you're probably at least as good at that as I am. And I'm a master. That's the good news. Because I know what's going on. I can be honest and say, Lord, I'm a mess. Can you help me? And he says, do you trust me, David? And I say, yes, Lord. He says, then love people the way I loved you with service and sacrifice. Be a just person who loves mercy. Consider others more important than yourself. Study my word. Engage in prayer. Step outside of your comfort zone from time to time. Let me use you more than I am now. Stand by, invite the Holy Spirit to come in that I might transform you on the inside. My DNA, my spirit, my child. Who you are as a child of God transcends who you are as an earthly child of your mother and father. Oh, that's an important part of who you are. But there's something that's greater and more important. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 23 and me, DNA, it's a funny thing. It can lead us in all kinds of different directions. But at the end of the day, the question that is most important is when we look at our spiritual DNA, do we know for certain that God is our Heavenly Father? Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. I love that. Stamp thine own image deep in our heart. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render unto God the things that are God. In whose image have we been created? And in the image of God, stamped in our hearts. It's heavy duty. I get it, folks. And, and I, you know, I go through the Sermon on the Mount and I'm devastated. But I don't give up because there's Grace. And it is the abundance of grace that we need to burn through like a jet burns through fuel. But that's grace that we take not only for ourselves, but for those around us. 
as we be just people who love mercy and walk humbly with God. As I wrestled, well, I'm not going to go there. 23 and me. The question of who our Father is is all that matters. And my prayer is that we know Jesus as fully God, fully human, who came to set us free, that we might have life and have it more abundantly, that we might show the world something different because of who we are and who who we are becoming as children of the living God. Amen?